you know, I find it amusing and really entertaining when uh, somebody talks to me about, you know, becoming anti-fragile and, um, you know, optimizing. Um, the reason for this is because these two things exist in opposition in my mind. So I'd like to go through exactly what I'm talking about right now. But <laughs> it entertains me to no end where I can see the results of people misunderstanding this. So if you're new here, welcome to Neuroresiliency. We're discussing different ideas from different perspectives to unpack assumptions that you make about the world. And in today's episode, we're going to reach into the very famous and controversial realm of anti-fragility. Now, if you're not familiar with anti-fragility, it was made famous by an author, Nassim Nicholas Talib. Um, he wrote the books Anti-Fragile, Fooled by Randomness, The Black Swan, to name a few. And what they talk about here is this idea of, you know, we all understand what it means to be fragile. But anti-fragility is seen as a particular response to a stressor or some sort of uh, source of harm that leads to a positive sensitivity to increase its uh, you know, outcomes. So the basic idea is that we have a negative stress, we respond in a positive way. In that way, you're anti-fragile. So you know, conversely, fragility is defined as a concave sensitivity to stressors, which is a negative sensitivity to an increase in volatility. So the relationship is basically the more fragile you are, the more sensitive you are to volatility. Now, it's quite interesting. And, you know, he gained a lot of traction um, at the time that this book came out. And I've seen so many people misunderstand um, anti-fragility. And what we seem to have, and I'll give you an example quickly, is in the biohacking circles, you know, the people who are, let's, let's cut out the word biohacker and let's talk about people who try and make themselves like more optimized, more efficient. You know, they've got the, like the morning routines that get them into flow super fast and things like that. The more you create this type of a world where, you know, you're more efficient. Why? Because your brain is automated in a certain way. Okay. So what does that mean? That means that you can run on autopilot for most of your day and actually get a lot of efforts and focus in at certain points in time. You know, that's great. Wonderful. It's, it, it is definitely very productive in the short term. In the short term, you are being as productive as possible. So I've got a friend who's obsessed with sleep. And what he does is he creates like a sleep oasis where um, his entire bedroom, you know, lights, lights go, you know, red at a certain point in time to avoid the blue light, blue light blocking glasses go on. Um, the bed itself is got one of those eight sleep pod pro covers, which regulates temperature during the night. And that's great. You know, what that means is that he has great sleep. But it also means that he subjects himself to a lot of sensitivity because he hasn't practiced sleeping in awkward places, in difficult conditions. And so the very simple point here is this misunderstanding of optimization versus um, you know, automation and the concept of how that makes you more fragile. So, you know, like he spends one night in a hotel room traveling or something like that. And he's going to notice more of those differences. And actually, it's something that my wife talked about. She's like, oh, do you want to get one of those? I'm like, I actually wouldn't 
like to get one of those. I don't want to optimize my sleep so that I develop a sensitivity to all these conditions where unless these conditions are met, I am going to have poor sleep. So again, we're basically positioning this concept of fragility in opposition to um, optimization as well, or anti-fragility in, in opposition with uh, optimization. So if you're always asking this question of what, I'm, what are you optimizing for, you're going to run into problems. Now, the reverse is also true. Like if you don't optimize for anything, you know, a good example is just to look at CrossFit. CrossFit's programming is basically no programming. I think, you know, for some CrossFit boxes, for those of you who don't know, CrossFit is going to be, what is it, highly functional um, movements where you're trying to pick up heavy stuff and, you know, it's 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 a total methodology unto itself. But the basic shtick is that CrossFit doesn't have um, general building and progressive workouts. What they do is on one day, they're just going to do, let's say, five minutes as many reps as possible of one thing. And that's it. That's your workout for the day. And of course, you have a warm up and you have a cool down and whatever. Great. And then the next day, you're going to encounter a completely different thing. And the next day, a completely different thing. And I've heard people go for six months at a time of going every day to that CrossFit box, which is another word for their gym, and not encountering the same workout twice. And so, you know, you're literally just pushing the body randomly all the time. And over time, the people who are incredibly dedicated to CrossFit start getting great results. Why? Because their body can really handle anything that's thrown at it. But you have to be incredibly dedicated to it. You have to be consistent with it on such a regular basis that it's insane. It doesn't suit most people who can't develop uh, devote that much time to it. So this is kind of the opposite, where in the long term, you are developing a sense of anti-fragility. The, the body can handle a lot of stuff. But in the short term as well, the body is just so perplexed. What are you throwing at it? What exactly is going on? Now, personally, you know, I also think that the mind needs to be taken into account in uh, CrossFit's case, for example. The more predictable something is, the more comfortable it is, the more we trust it. Someone once said this, which is trust is all about predictability. So you can trust someone to be dishonest if you're predicting that they're going to be dishonest because you know them. So predictability creates a sense of trust, a sense of security. And so CrossFit completely, the only thing that you're going to predict is that you're going to go there and, and it's going to suck. And I think that that's a huge thing to take into account. So how do we program in a sense of predictability, but also program in a sense of uh, challenging yourself regularly as well? And I think that's where it comes in, the sense of anti-fragility. So there is a great quote that I love, which is the enemy of longevity is efficiency. The more efficient you try to make something, the more it's going to impede longevity. So, you know, talking about my, my friend and his sleep, the more you try and make it efficient, the more it's going to benefit the short term and it's going to have interesting effects in the long term. Same, same is true for exercise. The more you try and optimize your exercise in the short term, you're going to create sensitivities in the long term, fragility, or let's say, um, you know, fragile nexes in the future. So the concept there is, again, this balance between doing something 
and having a sense of predictability around it, as well as then doing something and making sure that it's not really that efficient. It's not that efficient. You know, there are basics to be uh, to be optimized for, but we're trying not to be so dialed in with those that we become sensitive. And I think that that's important. So there's two things to think about here. Thing number one to think about is this concept of, and I like this a lot, technique is your enemy. You know, a lot of the times when you learn a technique for something, you learn, it's another way that we could say technique or translate it into our world is like a workflow, a routine or something like that. That's basically something that's going to create an automation, which is also going to make you a little bit sensitive to that. So what I'm talking about is developing a raw skill to be able to accomplish this, that on top of that raw skill, if you added technique, if you added you know, a more skillful approach, you're going to be in a better situation. So let's take a look at, for example, a pull-up. If you're going to do a pull-up, you know, yes, there is a proper technique and proper alignment for a pull-up that's going to make it easier for you to do a pull-up. But you're also kind of robbing your body of adaptations in strength. So let's say you do the most inefficient pull-up, the most muscularly expensive pull-up but let's say you get used to those pull-ups and those pull-ups become the norm for you. And then you get told to do a more efficient pull-up. All you're doing is cutting the fats and you, you're easily, easily going to be able to handle that. Another example of this is, um, you know, my brother in arms was doing uh, Olympic lifting and Olympic lifting bars are properly, properly weighted. And, you know, like obviously the bumper plates that you put on the bars are again weighted and, you know, balanced and all that kind of stuff. And so he was doing the Olympic lifting with Olympic bars, as you would find. And what he did for a short period of time is he changed over to doing, let's say, you know, transferable weights, but in sandbags. So sandbags, obviously the sand is going to shift around, it's going to move, and it requires him to build a lot more raw strength to stabilize a lot of that stuff. And all of a sudden, his technique isn't the most important thing, but actually the technique um, becomes null and void. And doing the Olympic lifting with sandbags became such a challenging thing for him that he had to develop a lot of raw strength to handle that. And so again, like I'm saying, raw strength, raw skill, raw technique is the inefficient path and it benefits you far more, far more than anything else. So there's this concept of anti-fragility where we think about like your routine, waking up in the morning and having like a perfect morning routine. Great. So what if your morning routine isn't efficient or automated or anything like that? Well, then we have to rely on your raw talents, your raw skills to not become sensitive to the chaos and the disorder that's out there. So this is where we move on to my second point. The first point was raw strength or let's say raw skill and developing that rawness by throwing technique out the window. <clears throat> okay. Um, so the second thing is basically how do we progressively overload the situation? Um, like I've said before in many podcasts, my belief is that if you can control the load, right? Load management, proper load management will allow you to get comfortable with a certain p amount of load, which allows you to then be, um, you know, in this place where you've got predictability, but you're also then building up a level of skill, building up a level of conf 
confidence, comfort that you can then translate to other things. So let's say if you get really good at pull-ups, then you could try other motions that use similar things like rock climbing, for example, to challenge yourself. And so point number two is about controlled stresses, regularly programmed controlled stresses. And then what you do is you progressively overload. So changing things up, yes, but not all the time like CrossFit so that it's just unpredictable and your body doesn't know what to do. You could argue that there is a level of merit to be able being able to do that type of thing uh, because the brain's ability to predict actually is something that needs to be challenged. Great, that's fine. But again, if you're if you're challenging that predictability model one in every seven days, you can manage the psychological stress that that's going to place on you. But if you can't manage that psychological stress, it's a bad idea to put yourself in that box anyway. But there are other ways that you can manage stress and create an inefficient practice that breeds skills, confidence, comfort, and allows you to adapt very comfortably again to chaos and disorder. And this is one of my biggest, biggest things in life is how do we harmonize with what's around us? So it's not like, oh, let me throw myself in the middle of fire to be able to see if I can adapt to chaos. No, it's not that. It's rather that the world is quite chaotic and our human minds like to automate everything. And so the more we expose ourselves to ways to harmonize with what's around us, and the more we practice those muscles, then the more anti-fragile we are. And the more we're going to find that we're moving absolutely towards longevity. We're moving not necessarily towards efficiency either. So a quick example for you, just to think about as we're leaving, is a child needs guided progressive load to become independent from the parent, right? So what I mean by this is, let's say, teaching the child how to make sandwiches over a period of months means that the child is confident to be able to make sandwiches when they're hungry. Great. Okay, cool. But most parents won't take the time to teach their child how to do this progressively. They would want the child to pay attention one or two times and that's it, right? And not necessarily stagger the steps. So the information becomes overwhelming for the child number one. But then number two is that a lot of the time, parents don't have the time. They're busy, right? It's not because they're evil people or anything. They're busy. So what do they do? They they wind up um, just doing it for the child and creating and actually enforcing, entrenching this idea of dependency. And a lot of the time we have to ask ourselves, what are we dependent on? What has been enforced into us? What do we need help with and support with? Usually in times of overwhelm, calling for support is more like, I can't handle it. It's too much work versus I can't do it. I don't have the skill for this as well. You know, cool. You can develop the skill, but if it's too much work, you can't develop a skill to handle too much work. The skill is called asking for support. And so that's that's a, another point to think about. Okay. So I'll, I'll state this again. What we've covered in this in this episode is just this musing around the idea that the enemy of longevity is efficiency and how much that actually connects with this concept of becoming anti-fragile, which is more this idea of how do you harmonize with the forces that are at work around you? You can't control them. Sure, but you can develop a level of skill where you can handle them. And like I said, the two parts that I really think that most people need to wonder about is 
Number one, how do I develop a raw strength that doesn't have, let's say, a technique, but just develops like a raw ability within myself that if I add a technique onto this, this would be great. So what is the most inefficient way that I can do this right now? Be it learning a language, doing your job, et cetera, whatever it is, what is the inefficient way? And a lot of the times, the inefficient ways are going to be great teachers for you as well. Not not in terms of failure, but in terms of, huh, I didn't know this existed. I didn't know that existed. Because usually the inefficient way is also <laughs> the scenic route. You know, if you're traveling to a destination, the scenic route is usually the inefficient route. So take the scenic route. Point number one, take the scenic route. And point number two is be sure to manage the load correctly, right? Controlled stresses. Scenic route, controlled stresses. That is it. That's it for me for today. If you liked what you heard, please be sure to comment. Um, if you're listening to this on Google Podcasts, iTunes, or Spotify, please leave a rating. Please leave a, a review for us. That would help a lot. But also, I want you to know that we also have a Substack, which is a newsletter that comes out that gives you notifications of every time something new comes out. But also, if I'm a guest on someone's podcast, that would be on the Substack. You wouldn't catch that on iTunes or Spotify or anything like that. And also, what I'm releasing in the future isn't necessarily going to be a podcast. And so only notifications for that are going to come through Substack. So please sign up to the Substack below and you can unsubscribe at any time you like. You can change your subscriptions, whatever it is. Um, highly, highly recommend it because then you can also communicate with me one-to-one. You can tell me what you thought of an episode. You liked it. You didn't like it. I love the feedback. I love hearing from people. So I welcome it. Until the next time, ciao for now.